Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Our gospel passage today comes right on the heels of Jesus pronouncing woe and judgment upon the cities that did not receive his or John the Baptist's ministries. Even though Jesus had performed many mighty works in their midst, they refused to repent and turn to him for salvation. And on account of their unrepentance in the face of such obvious manifestations of God's kingdom, Jesus said that it would go better for those, those, uh, those places in the Old Testament in the day of judgment. So, so, the, so the cities like Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom, those places... Jesus said they would get off a lot easier in the judgment because they did not have the same level of revelation that those cities did whenever Jesus was performing his works in them. But now Christ has come. He has come and the game has changed. So if the ministries of the prophets in the Old Testament were like hand grenades and the people did not respond to them, well then the ministry of Jesus Christ, the Son of God in the flesh, that is like an atomic bomb going off in cities like Capernaum. It's bad enough to reject God's prophets in the Old Testament, but it's quite another thing to reject the one who has authority over the universe itself. That's kind of the principle that's being taught here. So at the beginning of our passage, that's, that's the verses just before our gospel passage today. At the beginning of our passage, Jesus speaks to his father about this situation. And as we're able to listen, we're able to learn a little bit about what's going on with those who persist in unrepentance. Here's what he says. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. For those who refuse to, to repent and receive the salvation that Christ freely and earnestly offers to all, Jesus diagnoses them. He calls them wise and understanding. That is, they are wise in their own eyes. The message of the cross is foolishness to them. They are not burdened by their own sins, but they are quite content to continue in them. They do not look for relief and comfort outside of themselves in the gospel. They do not look to Christ in his promises, but they stubbornly insist that they are self-sufficient and that they are just fine. Thank you very much. And this was the case for those who were unrepentant in Jesus' day. This is why he said, woe to you. Woe to you, Chorizon. Right? All these cities that Jesus did his works in, they stubbornly refused what he earnestly wanted to give them. He did mighty works in their midst. He spoke the gospel authoritatively. And yet they insisted that they were just fine without him. They would rather be yoked to their own sins and rely upon their own self-righteousness to bear them up. And because of this, 
Jesus said that salvation was hidden from them according to the Father's will. And this is the pattern. As disturbing as that can strike us, this is, this is what we see in the scriptures, that the gospel comes to all, and for those who reject it, and for those who rely on their own wisdom and understanding, the heart becomes harder and harder, and God conceals the message. Now, this is not to say that God is unable to convert even the most hardened of impenitent sinners. He can, and he sometimes does. But it is to say that there's a very serious warning here. There's a serious warning for those who continue in unbelief or, or, or for those who even suggest that they will worry about the state of their own soul whenever they're on their deathbed. You're betting against the house. It is a monumental roll of the dice. Your chances are woefully slim that you will be brought to repentance at that point. You can't bank on anything like that. That's why there's an urgency to this thing, right? Hebrews chapter 3 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Today is the day of salvation. Christ has come, bringing the full manifestation of God's eternal kingdom. God now speaks to us through the Son clearly and authoritatively in the word of the gospel and in the sacraments. And woe to those who will not hear the gospel. Woe to those, woe to preachers who will not preach the gospel or insist upon a false one. Woe to us whenever we grow bored or tired with the gospel. See, if it's, if it's those who are wise and understanding in their own eyes who reject Jesus, either through rejecting the true gospel or through preaching a false one, if it's those that God conceals the message of salvation from, then who is it exactly that God reveals the message of salvation to? To little children or to babes. It's another way to translate this. And Jesus' use of that term here, it doesn't necessarily mean those who are physically young, but those who are completely dependent on the mercy of God. So just like an infant or a babe only receives from mom or dad for you parents in the room, do, do your kids, especially whenever they're small, do they bring anything to the table in that relationship? No, they only receive they're very good at it, right? This, this is who Christ reveals the message of salvation to. So just as an infant only receives from mom or from dad, that, that prospect of God's judgment, that woe that Christ pronounces upon unbelief and unrepentance, and, and the burden of our sins and the curse of God's law, all of it renders us to little children who are in desperate need. We need to receive something that only Christ can give. St. Paul describes this whole struggle in our epistle lesson today from Romans 7. See, the weight of our sins, it, it presses down on us 
And, and we so often lose this never-ending wrestling match against our sinful flesh, and we, like Paul, wonder who will deliver us from this body of death? Who will do it? You see, this is, this is what it means to be a babe, to cry out, to ask, to plead in desperation. And as terrifying as God's judgment can be, or even the notion that he hides salvation from the would-be wise, we have this great relief today that this is not the case for us. This is not the case for you. Because now in our passage, Jesus, he finishes speaking to the Father, and now he turns to you. He says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So it's God the Father who hides salvation from the impenitent. It's the Son who reveals the Father. It's all one and the same because they are of one will. Indeed, they are of one essence and nature. And we know this because the will, that we know that they're of one will because the scriptures teach it, but also because the will belongs to the nature. I don't need to go into that too much. If you have more questions about that, ask me later. But here's the principle. Jesus has the authority to reveal God to whomever he pleases. That's the authority that the Son of Man has been given, is to reveal God to whomever he pleases. He has the authority to cast the bright light of the gospel upon the darkness of sin and impenitence. He has the authority to come to the would-be wise and to turn them into babes who only receive. Come to me, all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know that God has not hidden the message of salvation from you and he has not left you to languish under the burden of your own sins because you are sitting here right now listening to Jesus' words. How do you know that Jesus' invitation is for you? He says, come to me all who labor. Does all include you? You betcha, as Steve would say. It includes you. So here you find the answer to St. Paul's question in Romans 7, the question that completely dependent babes cry out to God, who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus says, I am here. I have come to take off the yoke of slavery sin and death and in its place I give you my yoke the yoke of the gospel for all of your sins for all of your hardness of heart for all of your insistence upon your own self-sufficiency 
Christ has triumphed over them, and he has killed all of it in his death. Those sins of yours, you cannot have them anymore. They don't belong to you. They belong to Christ, where in his body he has taken them all the way to the cross and the tomb, and he has been raised to show you that they are completely gone, wiped out, separated from you as far as the east is from the west. You're free now, forgiven. And you rest under the easy yoke of your Lord who has taken sin and death captive by triumphing over the grave. So, having been buried with him in baptism and raised, you have died to sin. And this baptism has brought with it the gift of a good conscience through the resurrection of Christ. That rest for your soul that Jesus speaks of in our gospel passage, that has been granted to you. It's been given to you freely because the sins that you once insisted rule over you, they have been crushed beneath the nail-scarred feet of your Savior. now he holds wide open his arms for you today that you may fall into them and that you may learn that he is gentle and lonely in heart he will never cast you out he will gently bear you up and he will give you what you need today to bear the burdens in this fallen world What does it mean for you to come to Christ at his invitation today? Our Lutheran confessions quote this passage quite often, but it answers this question of what it means to come to Christ. And here's what it says. Here's what Melanchthon wrote. He said, to come to Christ is to believe that sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. When we believe, our hearts are brought to life by the Holy Spirit through Christ's Word. He invites you to believe Him. Believe what He did for you in your baptism. Believe the word of absolution spoken today to take away your sins. Believe that this is his true body and blood which take away sins and, to, and deliver to you a good conscience. Come to Jesus in repentance and faith, trusting that he is gentle and lowly in heart. He will give you true rest and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.